Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Broken to Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Tressa, and this month I have a special guest with me. Well, all of my guests are very special, and this is Miss Jewel Rembert. Hello. So Miss Jewel Rembert is actually a licensed therapist. Um, she is a therapist at The Ultimate Choice Consulting. She is a CEO and founder, and she is a seasoned clinician that is always looking for ways to enhance her therapeutic skills. She currently possesses credentials as a licensed professional counselor, a licensed professional counselor supervisor, and a certified mediator. She is pro- proficient in person-centered therapy, trauma-focused therapy, cognitive processing therapy, and certified in dialectical behavioral therapy. She has a passion and for knowledge and is always striving to improve herself and clinical skills. Ms. Rembert has a passion for working with clients ages 13 to geriatrics and believes that change is possible when dealing with difficult life choices. She is dedicated to the clients she serves and always has their best interests at heart. She often goes above and beyond the call of duty to serve her clients. She is innovative in her work with her clients and encourages creative problem solving to deal with life stressors. She also adheres to ethical and moral principles in her work. She has consistently emulated all the qualities and characteristics of a senior therapist with over 20 years of experience. She is a collaborator that can be relied on to perform her duties with passion and dedication and quality. Ms. Rembrandt is an active member of her church, and she enjoys mentoring young adults, painting, cooking, and spending time with her family. Welcome, Ms. Rembrandt. Thank you so much. <laughs> Glad to be here. So this month... I'm going off of the path a little bit. So typically I use a pod, a, a previous blog. Sometimes I won't, but this time I believe that we should talk about protecting your mental and emotional space. That was something that kind of came to me as um, we were talking about this. I know I probably gave you two options to choose from. And then I texted you and I was like, hey, but can we do this instead? So I think it's something that's needed, something that is very necessary. And I think it will be very helpful. So when I say protecting your mental and emotional space, what does that mean to you? For me, when, when we're talking about our mental space, it is it connects with your whole being. Mm-hmm. So just like you would protect your personal space, with your mental health, is it's important to protect that as well. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you guard yourself, not getting into situations that are stressful for you, or remaining in toxic situations can be a problem. So you have to protect yourself at all costs. Right. And the mental and emotional tie into each other because of course the when your mental is disrupted, it disrupts your emotional. So that is definitely why we should make sure that we protect that because one kind of triggers the other one. Yes, I often say it's okay to have emotions, mm-hmm. but it's not okay for emotions to have you. Oh, nice. And the reason being is that if we let our emotions drive, and I liken it to someone getting in a car with a drunk driver, mm-hmm. you know what's going on, but you have no control over it, mm-hmm. and it normally doesn't end well. 
Right. And they're intoxicated. And sometimes our emotions can intoxicate us and they cause us to do things that we probably should not do. (laughs) They take us out of character and put us in sticky situations. And um, that's just not where we need to be going. (laughs) So why do you feel like that is important? What is the importance of that as it pertains to what you do on a daily basis? Well, just looking into news in the past week, there were a lot of things that have transpired in different locations in our in the Midlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a service member that took his life and mm-hmm. three children. We also had a man actually climb an electric pole uh, yeah. in another location. And so there's several different things that are going on, and it's, and it's based around their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um stressors that have occurred, you know, going through a divorce is something really hard. And if you don't have the right counsel with you, things like that can happen. Um, Like you just said, we do things based on our emotions Mm -hmm. and several people lost their lives because of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important. That is, I can't emphasize enough Mm -hmm. the significance of when something is not the way it needs to be, you make certain that you reach out for help. Right. So what are some signs that one may need to set boundaries to protect those areas concerning their mental and emotional health? Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Uh, Setting boundaries are necessary. Mm -hmm. It is nothing wrong with setting a boundary. Boundaries actually are good to have. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to take nature, for example. If the ocean didn't have a boundary, there would be no land. Mm-hmm. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that sometimes when you're in re- relationships that may be toxic, you have to realize it is time to let somebody go mm-hmm. for your own benefit, mm-hmm. for your own mental health. Mm-hmm. That's a healthy boundary to have. Right. It's okay to say no. A lot of people have a hard time saying no. Mm-hmm. We even have toxic family members that you have to step back away from. That's true. Not necessarily never speak to them again, but in some instances, because no two people are the same. Mm-hmm. It may take that for that person to regain their mental health to a place where it's healthy. That is true. That is very true. And sometimes in certain relationships, no matter whether it's a familial relationship or coworker or whatever, I have definitely found myself asking myself, can I allow this person to come back into my life in any capacity? And if I do, what boundaries am I going to set? And I have before, and they didn't they didn't last long. It took them a couple months. And I was like, okay, and this is the boundary. Because the thing about that is I don't have to tell you what my boundary is. Exactly. You shouldn't want to get to that point. Exactly. Especially if I'm allowing you back into my space. You shouldn't want to get to that point. So there have definitely been times where I've had to do that. And you don't have to tell people what the boundary is. That's your prerogative. That's true. Um, it's I kind of Compare that to like giving people an ultimatum. I don't believe in ultimatums. 
<laughs> um, so it's like, it's up here. It's in my head how far we're going to go with this. And if you don't get to that point in time, then I can do what I need to do. I will tell you certain things, but I'm not going to tell you if you have to have this done by this time. If you already know what it is that I need and you already know what it is that I desire, then why do I have to give you an ultimatum if I have to make you do it and I don't want it anyway? Right. That's just how I am. Well, um, there are some very good points that you have there. And, and one that I, I often say is that a person has to know what their boundary is to begin with. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that does not occur because when you come up in a family that doesn't have boundaries mm -hmm. and they overstep your boundaries continually, you tend to grow up and you live your life like that. And so people just push the bar and push the bar and push the bar. But not letting someone know because then people turn into comedians. I've yeah. seen that happen. Oh, they want me to be like this, so I'll be like this. And they'll do that for a certain amount of time in order for you to remain with them or to be in that relationship with them, be mm -hmm. it platonic, romantic, or whatever. So those are the things that you have to look You have to know what your limit is. Yeah. You have to sometimes set boundaries with yourself. Mm -hmm. And people have a hard time doing that because oftentimes we're not taught how to do that. Mm -hmm. And seeking out a non-biased individual to sit down and hear what you have to say, oftentimes is helpful with that. Right. Like my girl used to say, I ain't got no dog in this fight. <laughs> exactly. That is that is exactly right. That is why having um, a therapist is so important because they, they will tell you the truth. They will be able to pinpoint. In therapy, I have been able to find so many different things about myself that I never would have necessarily pinpointed because I'm me and I don't want to see that. <laughs> it's a blind spot and nobody else that really cares about me is necessarily going to tell me about it. Um, I've shared this story before that I had a therapist one time and she said something to me and it, it was a gut punch, but I had to journal about it. And I'm like, well, I wrote down what she said. I said, is this true? And it was absolutely true. I was just mad. I just wanted to knock all her stuff down as I was walking out her door. But it was a breakthrough that I needed. And it helped me to set a standard um, for myself and for other people. And we've talked about it before. I've done a podcast on boundaries before. And that is important and other people are not going to necessarily understand it. Um, but you have to keep your protection of your mental, of your mental and your emotional health paramount, especially if you are just starting on the journey or if you're a little shaky, you can't, you can't be around those things. Um, distance yourself long enough until you feel like you're ready. And if they prove that they're not ready for who you are at that point, then you'll know what you need to do and you'll need to disconnect yes. completely. And, and, and that is that is that is definitely a true statement. Yeah. And the thing is, and you made mention of people not being ready. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that oftentimes if someone has been treating you a particular way for an, a long period of time, mm -hmm. they're okay with how they're treating you. 
So when that changes, of course, they're going to try to go past the boundary, the, the new boundary that mm-hmm. you set. Mm-hmm. And so in that, you're going to get some pushback. Yeah. You're going to go, oh, you changed or why you get new on me. Right. Or you didn't used to be <laughs> like this. You're going to hear all those things, but you have to be ready if you know that you need a change, if you need something different in order to grow and be healthy. Right. And everybody's not going to be ready for that because we all grow at different levels. And unfortunately, as much as we would love to see other people grow, some people are just not going to do it. Because in going through this process that I've been going through over the past few years with therapy and counseling, it is very humbling. There are some realizations that you come to that you don't want to come to. There are some things that you have to work through because it's not just about going to therapy and talking it out. There's work that you have to do. It's not just a vent session. That's correct. Because we we get homework. Yes. <laughs> we get homework and, and it's work and it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes disheartening. You have to... Um, And a lot of times you have to go through those things alone, basically with you, your therapist and God. Um, (laughs) And you don't really, you can't really give it to everyone all at the same time. You know, you have to, they just have to kind of find out how things are going to be different on the other side. But it's, it's a lot. And it's not just about going to, to just have someone to talk to, but how are you going to get out of this? Right. When you come to therapy, Mm -hmm. I think one thing that is very important, you have to be transparent. Mm -hmm. You Because you're meeting this person for the very first time. And so they're going on what you are telling them. Mm -hmm. And if you're really wanting to get to a different place and you only tell them partial things, they're going to work from where you have told them to start. Mm -hmm. And then when you don't get what you need, you may say, oh, therapy didn't work. But you weren't being transparent. You weren't being the person that you needed to be as far as telling what really is where you at. Where am I? Mm-hmm. At this moment, I'm doing X, Y, Z. You know, because it's not a place of judgment when you come to therapy. It is a place of realization. It's a place of newness. It's mm-hmm. a place of change. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows change is hard. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes change, but the main thing that, the only thing that is consistent is change. <laughs> that is true. Even though we don't like it, that is the only thing that is consistent in our lives. People may come and go, family members, you name it, but change is consistent mm-hmm. as much as we may not like it. So coming to counseling, you let them know what you need and the counselor will try to help you get to that place. And I like what you said earlier. A realization was given to you. You wrote it out, but you wanted to knock everything off the desk when you yeah, leave. Yeah, I was mad. So, <laughs> so you may have those moments. But the thing is, it's like my pastor always says, he said, eat the hay and throw away the sticks. That's true. If it does not apply to you, then don't wear it. Don't put it on like a coat. Mm-hmm. Take what belongs to you and work with getting rid of that or making improving it. Whatever mm-hmm. it is that you have to do. If you need that part in your life to make the necessary corrections. Right. And one of the things that I realized in counseling is you guys ask questions. So it's like you're having the 
the the client to come to their own realization and say it out loud. It's something about saying it out loud. And it's just like, I just said that. I felt that way. That literally came out of my mouth. And then you have to deal with that thing. But it you have to be ready. You do have to be ready for it. You can't just go um, to therapy haphazardly and thinking, oh, I'm just, you know, just going to talk to somebody. I remember when I first called EAP, I was like, oh, I'm just going for personal development, trying to be cute, you know, just personal development. And then you go, and this is when I decided to get serious about counseling. And I was like, this is not just regular personal development. <laughs> this hurts. There, I'm, I'm jacked up, like all kinds of dysfunctional. Um, and we all are. We, we are all um, a, a, a type of dysfunctional. We all got it. Um, but that is why counselors were placed in the earth so that we could go to someone who, like you said, is not biased, um, that we can talk to, that can help us to connect dots, that can help us to go back to places in our childhood that could be affecting us as an adult. And we didn't even realize, I didn't even think that hurt me, you know, and here you are as an adult and you ruining all the lives of the people who are around you because you are still hurt from something that happened to you when you were six years old. But unless you go to someone who has no problem with telling you that's where your issue is right there, because all your family, they love you. And they're going to talk about you and say, she's still hurt from when <laughs> But they're not going to actually do anything to fix the problem while you're wreaking havoc to all the other people in your life. And I'm glad you said that. You talked about going initially and you had a mask on when you were going mm-hmm. initially. I did. Cute. I was cute. Well, also, people come for the wrong reasons because they know that they are wreaked havoc in other people's lives and the person is at their end point. Mm -hmm. So they come not really to get help, not really to fix it, but to appease that person. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. And that normally ends disastrously. (laughs) Uh, And I'm just being very honest. Um, If you're not coming for yourself, then don't come. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. If Bottom line. For yourself, don't come. Because you're wasting time and money. You're, you're wasting valuable time that you could really be putting towards yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're not ready, you know, you can't force anyone to be ready. You said that also. You can't force anyone to be ready to share things mm-hmm. that are maybe buried so deep that they really don't know where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. All they know is that they're they're wreaking havoc everywhere they go, but they don't understand the reason why or what's causing that. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why I, I really like to talk about the EAPs. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for a lot of companies that have the Nest Employee Assistant programs mm-hmm. because you can come for free. Mm-hmm. You don't you the only thing it will take is your time to come to the office or to get online you know, one of those avenues that they have 
but you will know, hey, this might be something that I can deal with. Mm-hmm. And you haven't lost a penny. I always tell people when I recommend the EAP program to them, I always say that finding a good therapist is like finding a good pair of shoes. And so I said, at least if you have these free sessions, you'll be able to go and try on a couple pair of shoes until you find your person. Just make sure that they take your insurance at the beginning. So that way, when you find them and you're going to them for free, you won't have a financial hardship when you have to start paying. Exactly. You have to be committed to it. I changed my whole insurance plan. When I was serious about it, I changed my whole insurance plan just so I can make sure that I would be able to go to therapy and still afford it. And so you have to be able to make the sacrifices that you need to make. In order to, that is an investment in yourself, not only yourself, but the people that you come in contact with, your family will benefit from it. Your friends will benefit from it. Your church members, your children, everyone who is around you can be a beneficial participant in you investing in yourself by going to therapy or by seeking the healing. We invest in purses. We invest in shoes, we invest in hair, we invest in lashes. We can invest in ourselves so that we can not only look good, but that we can actually feel good. It's an inside job. It's an inside job. One of the things that I like to talk about is uh, being able to identify if you're the common denominator. Mm. Because... If people that you are around that don't know each other are telling you the same thing, it's probably time for you to seek out some outside intervention. Mm-hmm. Because if Alice and Bob don't know each other <laughs> and they've never met and they are telling you the same thing, you need to step back and you need to evaluate. Listen, everybody ain't lying, y'all. <laughs> everybody ain't lying. And you're the common denominator. Mm-hmm. Like these people are not connected by six degrees. You know, they say every six people you know somebody. If they didn't connect in them six degrees, seek out somebody else. Yeah, that is the, that is the truth. It's so hard. It's so hard to come to terms with the fact that you have a toxic or negative trait. Fair. It's hard to come to terms with that. Um, I've had to come to terms with a lot of them. And you still will. And when you go to therapy, y'all, you kind of become like a little baby therapist. A little <laughs> you become a little baby therapist. You can look at yourself and you be like, oh, girl, that's I did it yesterday. I'm like, oh, girl, that's fear. It's just coming in a different avenue. You know, even though I've healed from fear in a lot of different spaces, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, girl, it's showing up in another way, ain't it? (laughs) Or you can look at someone else and you be like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's some abandonment there. You know, (laughs) you can identify, you know, you become like a little baby therapist. And sometimes when I would, you know, 
at my previous job, I would have like little, you know, sessions where I would talk about the EAP program and Mm -hmm. everything. And so I would tell them that when you go to therapy, it helps you to deal with other people too, Mm -hmm. because you can kind of see it from an empathetic area, Mm -hmm. like, oh, that baby, you know, and you don't have to say anything, but it teaches you how to approach them. It teaches you how to interact with them without you feeling like you have any offense to it because you can identify what's the the bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities so it's not that person Mm -hmm. it's the things that are in the person and it helps you to deal with them better so that you won't become offended Exactly. You already know what you're dealing with. You won't have any unmet expectations as well. It helps you to gauge yourself. You'd be like, I already know. So, right. <laughs> so you know what you're getting into. It, it is what it is. I can't expect for them to be a certain way because this is how they've chosen to be. And so I have to make my observation and I have to do things that I need to do on my end to make sure that I protect my emotional and mental space as a result of that. Right. And I often say that people's chronological age and mental age may not match. Say that. They may not match. Oftentimes what happens is that people may have had a trauma at a certain age and they're actually stuck there. I've heard that. And so... The behaviors that that serve them well during that time frame are usually the behaviors that carry on because they haven't gotten past the trauma because it's stuck down and it's stuck there. So let's just say they're in high school and something happens to them in high school. And they were catty in high school (laughs) and they were, um, you know, talking to this one and try to get this one mad at them and that type of thing. It carries over. Mm -hmm. So once you realize where the stuckness is, Mm -hmm. the chronological age might be 40, but the emotional mental age may be 16. Then you can step back and say, okay, well, I've left that stage, but I know how to handle the Mm 16-year-old. And you govern yourself accordingly. So you're not at that level. You don't regress to yeah. go back to 16. Yeah. That person never progressed from 16 moving forward. Their age continued, mm. but their mental state did not. So people are not aware of that. But if you're able to step back and look at behaviors, mm-hmm. a health and development, when you're in college and you take that, and it talks about how babies grow and their developmental mm-hmm. stages and when they walk and down. That goes all the way up to young adulthood. Mm-hmm. It, it tells us what that looks like. So if you can pinpoint that, this is on your job, in your family, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can tell where somebody is. Chronicology, uh, they may be 40. Mentally, they may be 16. How do you handle a 16-year-old? You're the adult. You handle them like you would. If you were an adult, handling a 16-year-old. That's good. And that takes 
maturity. Because just because you grown, that don't mean you mature. Not at all. But being able to identify where that person is can help you better manage your expectations. I had to tell someone that before. Um, I think it was last week. I was like, you already know they do this. Manage your expectations. (laughs) I'm going to steal that. Yeah. (laughs) Manage your expectations. You already know that this is a pattern of how they operate. I I don't understand how you thought it was going to be a different outcome this time. Manage your expectations. When you manage your expectations, then you won't get mad at them for doing something that you already knew they were going to do. Knowing where they are. Right. That's exactly what you need to do. Yeah. Step back and manage you. Don't manage them. Yeah. Because they're not, they're okay. (laughs) Most people, when they're doing things, are okay with what what they're doing. That's true. That's why they overstep your boundaries. Because they're getting what they need. They're getting a need met through Mm -hmm. you, even though it may not be healthy. Right. So what are some hidden signs of anxiety and depression that we may not recognize that are a start of an issue? I know that the pandemic recently, um, in my profession, I know I've seen a large uptick in um, people that are having issues with anxiety and depression. And it seems to have been especially after, you know, the pandemic started. So how can we identify some hidden signs um, that we may not recognize as the start of an issue? Well, that's that's not a cookie cutter answer that you can give that. Mm -hmm. And it's really based on the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people deal with sad disorder during seasonal, when the seasons change. And so they may do very well during the summertime or when when it's sunlight sunlight out more. Mm -hmm. And when the pandemic hit, they couldn't get out. Mm. I mean, even though it was sunny out, they were bound to the house. They couldn't get out and do the things that they would have normally done. Mm -hmm. So that person may have suffered with depression earlier. Mm -hmm. The signs may have started coming on like it does with the seasonal, mm-hmm. when seasons change and it gets darker earlier mm-hmm. and those type of things. So with that individual, they may start showing signs shortly after we got shut down in April of 2020. Mm-hmm. That could have been an immediate because mm-hmm. they're not able to get that sunlight. They're not able to get out and be around people. So that could have happened immediate. Then you have other individuals who really may have dealt with situational depression, Mm -hmm. not necessarily all the time. So they may not have realized that they were even depressed. They may have been sleeping a little bit more or things like that because somebody upset them or, you know, it was lost in the family or something like that. With those individuals, it's usually harder for them to detect if they're just tired from the work day or things like that. So it may go on longer. But the thing is, is if something is lagging three weeks, a month, out to six weeks, you need to see someone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you have a diagnosis already or not. 
if you know that this is not your norm, you first go to your medical doctor because oftentimes I know like with the pandemic, a lot of people became vitamin D deficient. And that can make you tired. That can cause you to be depressed. That that that's part of this hormonal really? thing. Yes, a lack of vitamin D can actually lead to depression as well. And so you have to make sure that the medical piece is cool before you go into the mental piece, mm. because sometimes it's just changing of adding a supplement to your diet yeah. to change the chemical imbalance. So a lot of people ne negate that. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't need no doctor. Yes, you may need a doctor <laughs> if you've been in the house for six months mm -hmm. and your usual routine is that you were driving out in the sunlight and now you're not. Mm -hmm. And now you're just feeling lethargic and you're not feeling at your best. So I say check check with your doctor, mm -hmm. your, me your medical doctor, and then if he's like, oh, everything checks out, then you check that mental health side. Mm -hmm. Because if something is not like it's supposed to be, you need to make certain that you're good. Now, your homegirls are okay. Your road dogs are all right. <laughs> but they are not trained to tell you what's wrong with you. That's right. And then they may even tell you to do something that's not even recommended. Let's go get a drink. If you have depression, going to get a drink is not what you need to do. No. Okay? <laughs> All you need to do, because alcohol is a depressant. Contrary to belief, because of the commercials that we see, everybody's mm -hmm. partying their own drinks. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, your, your sensories become retarded. And that's why you have drunk drivers that can't. They're all swerving across the road. They can't stop when they're supposed to. When they get out, they can't stand on one leg. Everything has been delayed and depressed. Mm. And so if you're already depressed and you go out and get a couple of drinks with your homeboys, you come home, you can't get out of the bed the next morning. Not because you got a hangover. It's because you're just compounding the depression you're already dealing with. Wow. And again, because the media displays certain things a certain way. We think, oh, I'm going to get a drink and I'll feel That'll better. make me feel better. And it's just the opposite. Mm. So the thing is, I'm going to say, not everybody's the same, but if you are not feeling at your best, four weeks out, check with your, me your medical doctor. And then from there, let's check mental health. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't want to get on medications, you don't always have to get on medications to, to see a therapist. Right. And a lot of people have that weird thing that if I go to a therapist, then I'm going to have to take medicine. It doesn't always happen like that. Like 85% or 95% of the time, it doesn't happen like that. Mm -hmm. And no, most times you've already been prescribed some type of mental health medication from your primary. They just don't call it that. Wow. I learned that something as simple as vitamins can help to um, course correct something. So that that is good stuff. Um, sometimes we do like go through periods where it's like something's off. 
but we just can't put our finger on it. And that's usually when I like, I'll take a break and then I'll be like, something's off. I don't know what it is. I cannot put my finger on it. And you can't, you're right. You can't always talk to your friends, your sisters, brothers, homegirls, homeboys. Um, For me, I know that if I feel like I'm talking a couple of times, I had therapists and I'm like, that's almost like a homegirl situation. So that means that I don't need to be there anymore. (laughs) Like when I start being like, oh, this is about to be almost like homegirl. So I need to um, find somebody else that's going to go harder because a homegirl is going to get to a place or a homeboy is going to tell you what you kind of want to hear because they don't really want to hurt your feelings. Um, So they're going to start telling you things that's like, girl, go ahead. Then they're going to be like, she is going to do this. <laughs> she, she, she really about to go out here and do what I just told her to do. She desperate. So, <laughs> so it's, it's good to go to someone else. And if you do have friends, I know with me, the people that are in my life are in tears. So I have certain people that I can go to for, for this thing, certain people that I can go to for this thing, certain people that I can go to for this thing. So that's also something that you should think about doing, figuring out like, who can you go to for certain things? What we don't want you to do is be an island and be isolated because when you are alone with your thoughts, you are in a dangerous spot. When you are not bouncing those crazies off on other people, <laughs> listen, when you're not bouncing that stuff off, yeah. you are in a world of trouble yeah. because we can, like I said, when I went to therapy, I'm like, I'm just going for personal development, but I'm like, oh, I'm a little toxic, ain't it? Just a little dysfunctional. So it's not good to be alone with your thoughts. And a lot of times people don't want to share their thoughts or their feelings with people because they'll feel like they're going to be judged or because they don't want to be told the right thing. Okay. You have to have a want. To be told the right thing. I'm so glad you said that. Mm -hmm. We are our worst critics. Right. So we're going to write a narrative in our head anyway. That is not the best for us. So sometimes we need to have some pushback. Mm -hmm. Because we can write a story that is never told. And the thing is... (laughs) This is the thing, though. If you think about things that you thought was going to happen that never did, that stopped you from doing things that you could have done, and it's because we stayed in our head and didn't vocalize it to anyone, Mm. and then seven years later, you're doing the thing that you're supposed to have done seven years ago because you just kept it in your head and like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not as good as this person. Oh, they make it look so easy. Yeah, you can talk yourself out of a lot of things. A lot. And the thing is, is when you are going through something with your mental health, anxiety, depression, any of those things, and the pandemic, what people failed to realize during the pandemic, we were actually, we have been 
institutionalized. And so when people think about an institution, they think about a hospital or a mm-hmm. jail. No, we've been institutionalized. <laughs> what time to clock in? What time to take your breaks? And I and I look at my poor babies that, that are in school. You, when you wake up, when you get on the bus, when you get off the bus, when you go to the bathroom, when you go to lunch. Mm-hmm. And then when the pandemic hit, these babies were thrown into get all this work done and figure out how to schedule it. Yeah. And nobody's, no bell is ringing. No structure. No structure whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that's part of institution. That's how the inmates are done. That's how people that are in hospitals are done. Come up here at four o'clock. This time you get this medicine, go do this one at one o'clock. You know, and so we don't realize how institutionalized that we have become on these jobs that we're in. And so the pandemic threw people that didn't really know how to schedule. Adults <laughs> that were never taught how to schedule. Mm-hmm. So their work got behind. Mm-hmm. Then they start getting stressed out. Then you got fighting at home because everybody's home. Kids mm-hmm. not doing their work. They don't know what to do. Parents don't know how to schedule themselves. Mm-hmm. How are you going to schedule your kid to do something? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it was it was a lot of anxiety. It was a lot of heightened tensions. Domestic violence rose. Yeah. So the thing was Divorce. is that yes. <laughs> so the thing was is that our routine was disrupted severely. Mm-hmm. And people are still rebounding from Mm -hmm. that. And some people felt like, oh, I don't have to talk to anybody now. I don't have to see anybody now. I can stay in my pajamas. And these are people that are dealing with depression. They were on the cups of depression, but because they had to go clock in, they would get up. Mm. But now the pandemic has them where they don't have to show their face and they're, they're in their pajamas. They don't even bathe. So you're thinking about Someone that is on the cuffs of the depression, and now you you're thrown into this thing. Mm-hmm. Now the little bit of get up that you did have, you don't have it anymore because you're not getting up to do nothing. You don't have to even put up an appearance for anyone. So now, as soon as you get your break, you're laying in the bed. You're not cooking for your kids, mm. and so the thing is, is that but nobody sees it until it gets bad. Yeah. Until DSS is called. Until your kids are coming to, to school dirty. Or they say that they didn't eat for three days. Or mama is sleeping all the time. You know, and so those are the things that you have to look at. Because believe it or not, these jobs are like, oh, I don't want to go. Sometimes that's what that person needs just to get them up and out. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to go to a doctor. Because they don't realize it as depressed. Because if they've been in a depressive state for so long, then it's a normal, it's normal. So why would you give something that's normal to you? And I tell my clients, I tell them, I say, you need a new normal. And one of my clients said, I don't want a new normal. And I asked them, why are you coming? Because what you're doing now is not working or you wouldn't be here. Drops the mic. That's what she just did, y'all. Um. <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. During the pandemic, I was like work. I worked from home like maybe a couple months, and then I had to. I was full force in the office, um, and then now I have a job where I am one hundred percent remote. And when I did that, I was like, I am going to have to, like you said, 
create a new norm to where I have at least one day out of the week that I am intentional about getting out of the house. Um, I told my sister last week, I said, girl, your sister be walking around here looking reckless. I looked at myself walking into the store the other week and I was like, this is not my life. Um, I, I was ashamed when I saw my reflection and I'm like, because you get to that point where you, like you said it, and you said it when I walked in, you're like, oh, you look so put together because that's how I used to look when I had to go into somebody's job every day. But now since I'm at my house, I have more lounge clothes. Even when I do have to dress up, I don't be wanting to put on no jeans. Don't ask me to put on real pants because it hurts. I told my mama, I said, it hurts my hips to put on real pants these days. And so sitting <laughs> sitting in that can cause you to be in a space. And it was a couple weeks ago. I had not, le- it was Tuesday afternoon. I had not left my house since Sunday after church. And I said, I got to get out of this house. Usually my day is Wednesday where I'm intentional about getting out and doing something. It was Tuesday. I was like, I got to get out of this house. It was pretty outside. I was like, let me go get my car washed or run to the store real quick. But I need to get out of the house because it can put you in a space. There's nobody in my house but me. So it's just this personality in this house (laughs) all day long by herself. So I have to make sure that I get out of the house. Another thing that I notice, um, and I can only speak for me, is paying attention to what you're doing. Um, I've noticed recently, um, I like to watch a lot of crime shows. I put, I'm I'm for real, like my sister put me on punishment the other week and I kind of, I was like, but you don't tell me because you're not my mama. But I am putting myself on punishment because I can kind of feel the heaviness. Mm -hmm. So watching what you watch, watching what you listen to, because that kind of stuff, it gets into our spirit Mm -hmm. and it creates this person. It creates this heaviness and you have to stop doing that so that you can get yourself out of it. So it looks like Hallmark, I'm coming back. I, um, I broke up with Hallmark and I went to First 48. So now I'm going to have to break up with First 48 and get back to Hallmark because my mood will be better. Mm -hmm. I think it will affect um, my mood. And it's not that I'm being rude or mean or lashing out at people. It's just this feeling that I feel. And so just figuring out like things about yourself that are changing and figuring out where it came from or where you think it's coming from, start there where you think it's coming from and then try to pull away those things. Okay. You said something that, I mean, today you were just right on spot on. (laughs) I had a client that came in and, and, um, I had seen her several times Mm -hmm. and she went through 17 years of severe abuse, domestic violence with her former spouse. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, listen, you don't need to be watching anything that has that type of uh, 
interaction in, mm-hmm. any domestic violence, any, because she only shared a tip. She just said domestic violence. So I mm-hmm. told her, and so when she came in this last time, she was like, I've just been having nightmares and I, I just don't know, I don't, I can't sleep. And, and, and I was like, um, so what in your routine has changed? What are you doing? And so she was like, well, I know you said not to be watching certain stuff. And so I had to explain to her. I was like, you have not even scraped the ice, the top of the iceberg. You have a lot of stuff that's deep in you. Mm-hmm. But subconsciously, when you hear somebody screaming on that movie, it triggers you. Mm-hmm. And so your subconscious is in that hyper vigilance mm-hmm. state. And I had to explain that to her because your body doesn't forget. We have a lot of muscle memory. Mm. And I, and I, I want to share this because it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, this happened with one of my siblings. I had started gaining weight <laughs> and I used to run track. Mm-hmm. I used to run track and I did fairly well in it. I lettered, you know, my letter and all this. And so I was a jumper and I really was never a runner. But anyway, I had gained weight and my younger sibling came to me and she said, hey, let's go out on the track. And I was like, no. And she was like, come on. And so I got out there and I was like, I'm tired. Mind over matter. Your body don't know no difference. It's what you tell it to do. It's going to do. It's going to follow. And that is true. Mm -hmm. Your body has. And after a while, we got into a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to do more on the the track and everything like that. But the thing is, it was mind over matter. But the thing is that we have to remember is that we, your brain is a muscle. Mm, and your your muscles have memory just like my body remember how i used to run and i started running on the track again and i wasn't as winded when we have a trauma your brain takes a snapshot and it may compartmentalize it for a moment but there are triggers that can do it the lady screaming and running from her husband because he was beating her up triggered her mm-hmm. and she started having nightmares. She had nightmares for three weeks, she said. Mm. And I said, now do you understand why I tell you not to watch those kind of movies? Right. And and I said, you have not even shared everything that you went through with me. Mm-hmm. So I can only tell you what you've shared with me. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that that muscle memory, you have to remember your brain has muscle. Mm-hmm. It, it takes snapshots. It remembers things that you forget. That's how you can walk back in a room and say, oh, this is what I have to do because your brain remembers that you said, I got to go get the ice tray out the ice out of the freezer. Mm-hmm. And then when you go in the kitchen, you're like, why am I in here? And then you walk back in the other room. the story of my life. <laughs> you walk back in the other room. <laughs> and then your brain was like, oh, the ice tray. And then you go do it. Because mm-hmm. when you're opening your mouth and you're speaking, your brain is recording what you're saying. And, and another thing that you're talking about, mental health. Oftentimes, things get back in us through our own mouths. So we're downing ourselves. We, I told you earlier, we are our worst critics. So when we start talking about what you can't do or why I look like this, like, uh, listen, if I go to the store and I have a hat on and two ladies come out and say they don't like how my hat looks, I have an option. I can walk away from those ladies. Those ladies don't go with me. 
But if I start talking about myself, I go everywhere with myself. I can't, I cannot leave oh, me. That's so the thing is that you have to remember, be mindful of your mouth because that is the quickest way to get things in us. And another, a Native American adage has, it says, if you can give it a name and a shape, you have control over it. But if you can't give it a name and a shape, it has control over you. I like that. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. I I just have to stop watching it because I was scared to open the door for the UPS man. That's why. But <laughs> I mean, trauma is trauma. So, <laughs> and it's secondary. Trauma. Right, it is. It's secondary. Mm -hmm. It's not happening to you, but it actually happened to these people. Right, exactly. And you're watching that every night, and then you, and then you turn the news on for like you even got. Yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, it ain't gotta be the whole thirty. Mm -hmm. You turn on for ten minutes, and and somebody run down the street killing people. Yeah, on so. top of what you just watched. So how's that? Help, how's that helping your I'm mental a, health? I'm gonna stop oh. for real. <laughs> I'm going to protect my mental and emotional space like I'm telling everybody else to do. So <laughs> last question is, what advice do you have for someone that may be on the fence, afraid, or apprehensive about counseling? You know, especially in our ethnic community, people think what happens in our house stays in our house. Um, don't be going and telling people my business. I'm not about to go talk to nobody about my business. So how do we help to combat that? Okay. One one main thing that I want to say about this is that when you start affecting other people's lives because of your behavior, it is no longer your business. Can you say that one more time for the people in the back? When you start affecting other people's lives, it is no longer your business. Number hmm. one. Counseling is confidential. We cannot share anything with anybody that you share with us unless you are going to harm yourself or someone else. Mm -hmm. And by law, we are mandated reporters and have to report that. Mm -hmm. So if you ain't coming in here telling us you're going to kill yourself or somebody else, or you're going to go shoot up a building or anything like that, we can talk about anything you want to talk about. Donald Duck, Anything. Don't waste your money talking about Listen, stuff like that. No. I'm just, I'm just, if you got a fear of dust, let me know why. Okay? But my thing is, is that there are too many options out here now, especially since the pandemic, for you <clears throat> not to get the help that you need. That's true. You have the EAPs, as you spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. Almost every job that I know has some type of EAP. Mm -hmm. If it's nothing but three sessions, you can you can... Uh, look for those pair of shoes that you talked about earlier. Your <laughs> yep. best fit, mm -hmm. right? You have the ones that will do it via text. That's not me. <laughs> I need to see my people. Better help. Yeah. <laughs> they do it by text. Yeah. They will do it what you just speaking to them over the phone. Again, this is not me because I need to connect with my person. Mm -hmm. And I need to make sure that that person is all right when I meet them for the first time. Yeah. Okay. So you have telehealth and you have face-to-face. -face. There are groups that you can go into that you may not, I, I, when I do my groups, it's challenged by choice. And what I mean by that 
is that I would like for you to participate, actively participate and give your input. But if you don't and you are getting information that you need, that's okay with me. I don't mind that. But the thing is, is that you don't have anything to be afraid of because unless you're trying to hurt yourself or someone else, this is confidential. And we could lose our licenses if we disclose information to anybody without your consent. Mm -hmm. So really, what do you have to lose? Not a thing. But you have so much that you can gain. You can gain clarity. You can gain freedom. You can gain restoration. You can break free from so many different things. So you don't have anything to lose, but you have everything to gain. If you need to talk to someone that has already been through therapy, that can kind of help you on the sidelines and cheer you on. I didn't necessarily have that. But what I did have, though, was a determination within myself that I was not willing to stay in the same state that I was in. So I needed to come out. And in order to get something that you've never had, sometimes you got to do something that you've never done. And so that is what I had to be able to free me um, in different areas. Y'all, we do pray, but sometimes you need Jesus and therapy. Yes. They are also just like doctors. You need Jesus and a doctor. We need to use wisdom. He placed these people here not to completely heal us, but to be his hands and his feet in the earth. And that is what they're here for. So, Miss Jewel, can you tell the people how they can reach out to you if they need to get any of your services, if you have any social media handles, all the things? Well, yes, uh, I do have a number of ways that I can be reached. And I'm going to let you share those. <laughs> All right. So she can be reached at the ultimatechoiceconsulting.com. Um, she is located in the Columbia area. If you send an email or give a phone call and the phone number is 803-814-6632. Again, that number is 803-814-6632. And if you give them a call, they will make sure that they get you an appointment and get you in so that you can get the help that you need. Her email is actually T-U-C-C-L-L-C at Outlook.com. That is T-U-C-C-L-L-C at Outlook.com. I encourage you all to make sure that you check with your EAP programs and see if they have any offerings. Check with someone in your human resources department. For me personally, as a human resources professional, what I do is I tell people to call them, get a list of whoever the providers are in your area, research them just like you research your hair and just like you research who does who where you get your shoes from research them to make sure that they offer what you need after you choose then you call them back and you tell them i have chosen this person or in your case maybe i have chosen miss jewel rimber 
see if Miss Jewel takes your insurance as well so that it won't be a financial hardship if you want to continue to seek therapy after your sessions are over. Most companies provide three, ser- three free services or five free services. So make sure that you do that so that you don't have any excuse. I promise you, once you get a taste of it and once you start growing and once you start recognizing things, that growth becomes insatiable. You cannot live life stagnant after you seek therapy and counseling because if you work hard for that therapy and that counseling, there is no one that you're going to allow to dismantle all that work that you've done. That investment that you make has endless returns on everyone that is around you and everyone that you encounter in the future. So your investment in yourself can make your life so much better. There may be times where you take a break and you need to go back. That is good because that is self-awareness. So don't think that, oh, I'm just going to go for this particular thing. Because once you do start going, I promise you, you'll find more things that you need to be there for. That's just how it works. So I encourage you all to please protect your emotional and your mental health. If you do need to seek someone, make sure that you do that. If you need a buddy to cheer you on as you do it, make sure that you find someone that will encourage you and not someone that's going to discourage you and say, why are you giving them people your money? Why are you doing this? Why are you telling those people your business? Those are not the people that you need to talk to. Those are the type of people that just need to see you after you come out on the other side. So with that being said, I want you all to take care. Have an amazing month. I hope that there were some wonderful nuggets that you found in this segment and take care and be safe. Bye.